Wicca, Paganism, Shamanism. What do these ideas mean to you? Did you know that a lot of controversial views on these topics are based upon misconceptions? Welcome to Spiritually Speaking, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Needs with Lady Red Hawk, a.k.a. Susie Peltier. We will explain these practices in depth and provide new opportunities and perspectives to change your life. Now, here is Lady Red Hawk. Hail and welcome everyone. I'm Lady Red Hawk and this is Spiritually Speaking, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Needs. I am thrilled today to host Old World Witchcraft and Greenwood Magic with my very special guest, uh, Raven Grimasi. Raven is an acclaimed author who has literally written the Encyclopedia of Wicca and Witchcraft along with over 13 other books on neo-paganism, Wicca, and witchcraft. In today's conversation, Raven and I will be talking about the questions such as, is nature aware? What is a witch? And what connection exists between witches and the plant realm? Remember, if you want to get in on our conversation with a question or comment, please call in 1-866-472-5795. So today's show is the first of two shows with Raven Gamasi, and the next show will be next Monday, the 19th, and that will be 50 years of witchcraft, where to now? This discussion will kind of pick up where this one left off because this, this conversation is going to be a lot about the, the history and where our um, beliefs are derived. And um, then he's going to talk about the early beginnings of Wicca and witchcraft from the 50s up to contemporary times and what the future might hold for Wicca and witchcraft. So make plans to join us um, for that one also. And remember, you can also listen to any past shows in the archives. Just follow the same link that you followed to get here, and that'll take you to it. So before we get started, I'd like to say that there are many traditions in Wicca. Um, Raven is qualified to speak to the number of uh, traditions we have. Then they're like de- denominations in Christianity. And these traditions vary widely in their perspectives and practices. But we agree on two points. Wicca is a nature worship that has nothing to do with the devil. There is no devil in Wicca. Also, because the traditions vary so widely, I'm not pretending to speak for all Wiccans. My, my perspective is a tradition I developed about 20 years ago, Taoist Wicca, and it's a spiritual coaching system as well as a spiritual practice. But most of your practices in Wicca traditions have those elements in them. So remember, if you have any questions, you can also in- email me at info at or call in at one 472 So thank you for coming, Raven. I really appreciate it. My pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So a little bit about Raven. He's a neo-pagan scholar and award-winning author of over 14 books on Wicca, witchcraft, and neo-paganism. He's devoted over 40 years to the study and practice of witchcraft. He's the co-founder and co-director of the Fellowship of the Pentacle and a modern mystery school tradition of pre-Christian European beliefs and practices. Uh, Gramasi's background includes training in old forms of witchcraft as well as Britic Wicca, Pictish Gaelic tradition and Celtic traditionalist witchcraft. He's also a member of the Rosicrucian order and studied the Kabbalah through the first temple of Tifarith under Lady Sarah Cunningham 
and in his early magical career studied with the works of Julius Evola, Franz Barden, Gareth Knight, Kenneth Grant, Dion Fortune, William Gray, Austin Spare, William Butler, and a few more. So he, you can reach him, by the way, at www.fellowshipofthepentacle.com. That's www.fellowshipofthepentacle.com. Also, www.ravengrimassi.net. That's R-A-V-E-N-G-R-I-M-A-S-S-I.net. And very soon to come, uh, www.houseofgrimassi.com. So thank you again. Let me ask you, what is the concept? What is meant by old world witchcraft? Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I think that, you know, it's the title of my newest book, but I think that people Yay. may misunderstand it a little bit. Can you well, hear me okay? Yes, I can hear you just okay. fine. Can you hear me? Okay. Uh, yeah. Good. Uh, the Old World Witchcraft, um, as far as the book goes, and I can talk a little bit about the concept itself, sure, but it really do. refers to an ancestral view versus a place, you know, like in Europe. It is indeed rooted in old European ways, but it's really about an ancestral view, the way that our ancestors would have seen what I call the enchanted world, a world that um, was quite different than the modern world that we're in today. So the idea of old world witchcraft is this sort of primitive, archaic idea of our ancestors and how they saw the world and believed that it operated. Um, So what we've done in old world witchcraft is we've sort of gleaned the, the practical and valuable elements of that. Um, you know, but I always tell my students, you know, that there is as much ancient folly as there is ancient wisdom. <laughs> so, <laughs> so just because something is ancient doesn't necessarily mean it's sound. You know, for example, at one time, you know, humans believed the world was flat. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't serve us anymore. So some of the ideas you have to move away from, but others are are still very... Uh, rooted, profound, vitalizing, and I think they're very important to us spiritually. That's kind of where we draw our nourishment from. Mm-hmm. So what then would be, it, it, from that context, context, what is a witch? Well, that is a good question. You know, there's so many definitions um, of witch. And in the book, I try to define what I mean by an old world witch. Um, you know, like I said, there's so many definitions, but essentially I look at the old world witch as someone who has the enchanted world view, um, mm-hmm. who sees the mystical and magical energies within nature, that sees nature as sentient, self-aware, um, that believes in spirits and um, other kinds of entities, uh, that uses um, a magic in his or her daily life, it's not a weekend practice. It's a philosophy and a way of being. Mm-hmm. Um, I also kind of attach the definition of a witch as to someone who is a seer, who has some perception of otherworldness mm-hmm. and works with spirits, um, even spirits of the dead, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, these are, of course, the older definitions of witch. And I think some people today in modern times would, would probably disagree 
you know, with one or two of those uh, particular things I mentioned. I had, I was lucky enough to have John Caracella, who's a trained shaman, on for several shows, and we talked a lot about this, uh, the function of a shaman as as a seer and a go-between between um, the worlds. And one of the reasons I spent so much time on it was that um, it seems like the practices of Wicca and witchcraft come out of these personal ecstatic experiences that uh, – and then we kind of place a scholarly view, okay, that's, that's a practice of shamanism. But really it crosses – it crosses over. Some people consider themselves shamans and not Wiccans if they mm-hmm. they're witches. But but I see historically just that uh, seer or medicine woman or medicine man in the tribe who who then wants to uh, is studying patterns in nature and wanting to put the rest of the tribe, you know, your arrow makers and your your berry gatherers and so forth, in touch with the same ecstatic experiences of uh, a spiritist earth that they're experiencing. Uh, does that fit what you're... Well, it, your... it sort of weaves in and out of my definition. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I look at, um, you know, which is coming out of a shamanic tradition. Mm-hmm. The earliest, you know, the predecessors to that would have been the shamans, the medicine people. But I, I see the witch as sort of stepping a little bit out of the direct connection to tribe and sort of being more connected with the mm, sentient nature and working with spirits. Mm-hmm. If people came to him or her, um, they would certainly be put into contact with those. But I don't think that the witch, um, at least the early prototype of the witch, um, set out you know, intentionally to be... Um, you know, allowing the tribe to kind of come along with those understandings. I see. I they served, but they served in, in maybe a less a less formal way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or it wasn't part of their dedication necessarily. Well, you know that that may be true. When we when we look at the earliest writings, um, pre-Christian lit- literary writings about witches, they're always depicted as living among the herb-clad hills or in the woods. And they mm-hmm. seem to, um, at least the early ideas about them that appear in literature, uh, suggest that they didn't live among, you know, the city people and, uh, you know, the villages and this type of thing, that they were they were more immersed in, in the outer world of nature. And I, I think that people sort of had to come to them. Mm-hmm. Um, at least this is the idea when I look back at, what I'm reading, that's the feel that I get. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of similar to what John said about shamans, too, that, that oftentimes they lived a bit separate from the tribe, mm-hmm. so that they, they kept their contact with nature as their, um, their primary experience. Yeah, and, I, I think that that makes sense. You know, someone who is intensely connected to otherworldness, you know, needs that that isolated, separate time mm-hmm. to stay attuned, to recharge. And I think if they lived, you know, central to a village or city, they would be as immersed in the mundane life as the rest of the, you know, the tribe. And so it was probably necessary for them to commune more directly, you know, outside of those uh, 
so-called civilized places. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very good. So if, if that's an old world understanding, um, is there much difference between that understanding and today's uh, uh, approach? Of course, we don't categorize quite so well as we used to. <laughs> well, you know, we, we live in interesting times. Um, if I can get a running start at answering that question, you know, I first became involved in, in the community of Wiccan witchcraft quite some time ago, the summer of 1969. And back then, you know, everyone was sort of on the same page. You know, we had the same terminology, the same ideas. <clears throat> and... Um, it was that kind of a um, commonality. Uh, today, you know, if you go on the Internet or you talk with people, there's so many different definitions and phraseologies and whatnot. It's, it's really hard to get a, a consensus. And so, you know, you might, someone might say they're a witch uh, or a Wiccan. And I always ask when someone says those things to me, I always first say, what do you mean by that? Mm-hmm. So that I, I can really understand where they're coming from because... I don't want to put my preconceived notions on what they mean by that. Mm-hmm. And what I hear coming back to me is such a variety of things. Sometimes uh, someone will say, well, I'm a witch, and that means that I practice magic and herbs and spellcraft. And that's like it. And I go, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And then someone else will say, well, I'm a, I'm a witch, and I'm very much in tune with spirits and sacredness and spirit of the land and, you know, moon and stars and that type of thing. You know, and I go, okay. You know, but I hear so many different ways. So today it's, it's quite a mixed bag. And I'm not saying that anyone is, is wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but these are facets, I think. You know, it's like if you have a crystal and you turn that crystal, you have different facets cut on it, you know, like a diamond. And each one reflects its individual light as that light hits it. And I think that today when we hear people defining themselves as Wiccans or witches, I think it's that turning and flash of light on that facet. That's a, a piece of the definition coming from an individual. Mm-hmm. And it also goes according to what skills and talents people are bringing in to, to get us past the hump, you might say. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> in order to turn the tide. Mm-hmm. Um, well, speaking of that, I had a guest on the other day who talked a lot about permaculture, and permaculture is a very um, important concept in the craft these days. But the roots of permaculture come from... Green, the concept of greenwood magic. Uh, would you tell us a little bit about that? Well, I can speak to the greenwood magic idea, and this is the concept that nature itself is sentient, and that there are beings that that um, are attached to different places and 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 such. Um, similar idea to the modern concept of you know a human being having a soul within a, a flesh body. Mm-hmm. Um, we of the old ways look at the idea that plants, trees, um, a variety of things have within them an abiding spirit, which is sharing that time and space with the, with the flesh, if you will, of the plant. And in it, there's a direct connection of those spirits back to the idea of what is divine within nature. So you have this communication coming constantly from plants and their spirits, and especially from trees, which are the deepest rooted ones. Mm-hmm. But we also have the idea, at least in the tradition that I practice, of what we call the organic memory of the earth. 
and uh, we use a term for that. We call it shadow. And the idea of shadow is that every living thing that ever died on the planet had its essence absorbed into the land itself. And the mineral composition of the land retains those memories. We call it the bone memory of the earth. Mm-hmm. Um, very much like a crystal. People you know, believe a crystal can hold energy. Um, we certain, certainly use it in technology today. There are crystals that, that exactly do that. Um, but the idea is that these memories are rooted in um, this place called shadow beneath the soil and that plants have the unique uh, ability to tap directly into minerals, you know, they have which absorb minerals from the land, and so they literally speak to shadow, if you will. And mm-hmm. so this, this ancient memory and spirit of the land is abides in the shadow, and then plants pull that out, and their spirits can articulate that to human consciousness. Um, mm-hmm. And this is, a, this is the idea that, that we work with, at least, and... Um, and perhaps as we get in later to the show, we can talk about some of these messages um, that are coming from the green world these days. Yes, very much so. So this awareness, it's, I almost look at it like, you know, the, the uh, subatomic, subatomic particles called the quarks oh. um, that they've discovered. That, that quarks are, of course, in every... In everything, so that speaks to that validates animism for me. <laughs> for me, <laughs> yeah, it also but, ties in very much with uh, you know quantum theories and this type of thing. It's very interesting. Yes, it's fascinating that science is beginning to validate these old, um, these ancient views. Right. Yeah, I always like the term the science universe. is catching up with ancient knowledge. Right, right, because they're talking about, you know, the quarks. So it's almost like the quarks, what is divine within us, can speak to the quarks in the plants, the mm. what is divine in them. And it's almost yeah, that's like an interesting that, way of putting it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's great fun when the, the, the plants begin to kind of open up and mm-hmm. and you listen and, and find out that, that indeed they have spirits and then it's no accident that uh, distillates um, are still to this day called spirits mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because you're imbibing the very essence of the 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 plant and it changes you right right yeah, yeah and we know from you know some some scientific experiments like um, you know they've they've connected plants to sensory devices and and done things such as lighting a match and, and burning a leaf and watching the reaction on this, you know, sort of graph and then touching a match, uh, I'm sorry, bringing a match, the second match close to the plant, but not touching it. And then the plant will react the same way as it did when it was burned. It's all great. It seems to know uh, what's about to happen <clears throat> and great. reacts to that. So there is a, even scientists, I think, would, would bestow at least some type of, of consciousness. Um, they might not use that term, but I think they would bestow some other kind of you know idea there. Um, I suppose the hardcore ones would just say it's a chemical reaction. <laughs> but that's the difference between ascorbic acid and vitamin C. <laughs> so um, let me take a break, and I'll be right back to you. You're listening okay. to Spiritually Speaking, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Needs. We'll be right back.
the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Susie Peltier, Lady Red Hawk, offers private sessions of massage therapy, hypnotherapy, spiritual consultations, Reiki sessions, and trainings in San Francisco, California. She is available for in-person lectures as well as webcasts on a variety of topics such as stress management, holism, motivational speaking, and developing personal spirituality. Susie can also personalize a healing session or a spiritual consultation for you through Skype or by phone using hypnotherapy and distance sessions of Reiki. Susie is a reverend with the Universal Life Church and a third-degree Wiccan priestess performing interfaith pastoral duties such as hospice and family counseling, in addition to a variety of personalized rites such as weddings, house clearings, and memorials. Susie is currently taking applications for students in Wicca and offers circle trainings as well as priest and priestess initiation study programs. To find out more about Susie as a healer, teacher, and priestess, visit her website, www.susiepeltier.com. Email her at info at susiepeltier.com or visit the Facebook page to find out more about Taoist Wicca. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. You are listening to Spiritually Speaking, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Needs with Lady Red Hawk. We would love to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about this week's program, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at suzypeltier.com. Now, back to Spiritually Speaking. Hi, welcome back. We are visiting with Raven Gramasi, uh, 14 books Raven has uh, published over the years, and he has a, a new one talking about old world witchcraft, and we're here talking about those concepts today. Welcome back. Thank you. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so we've talked a little bit about how plants um, communicate and um, also how they seem to be sentient in some way as they at least recognize a threat when somebody is uh, holding a a source of fire next to them. Mm -hmm. So what is magic? How does that fit in with a spiritist nature? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, magic magic is both a thing and a process. Mm -hmm. Um, Magic is an energy that emanates and and it flows through everything you know really on the planet but it can be drawn and condensed which makes it more usable in an effective and consistent way um, you know by the works of witchcraft and other forms of magic Mm -hmm. Um, it's almost like if you could picture it sort of like a vapor um, a mist and just some weird analogy you know if you could if you could breathe that mist in to your lungs and hold it for a moment where it's sort of, you know, coalesced, you know, and then sink a thought or a desire into your lungs and then exhale that out, picturing the outcome 
um, this would sort of give you an idea of the inner mechanism of magic, this idea of drawing in the energy, impregnating it with a thought, a desire, and then producing that conceptualized or impregnated, if you will, um, out into the world. And through the plant kingdom, there is a literally network that moves through, you know, the realm. And so this is one of the ideas of how magic flows through the plant kingdom. The plants do indeed communicate. There's a, there's a biologist called Rupert, named uh, Rupert Sheldrake. Uh, fascinating uh, uh, books that he's written. And one of the things that he discovered was that if there's a diseased tree, um, say it's infested by beetles or whatnot, mm-hmm. the trees surrounding that tree will, in advance of being infected themselves, begin to thicken their leaves and bark. And he studied this phenomena, and what he found was that the tree releases some type of, oh, let's call it a gas or a mist or something, some chemical emanation that's picked up by the other plants. And that is some kind of informed idea that, you know, I'm infested by beetles, you know. Mm-hmm. So these plants then respond to that. So we can see at least, you know, a primitive form of communication going on there. And we believe in old world witchcraft that if we live in common cause with the green world and it knows that we wish it no harm and that we wish it to thrive, then it joins in common cause with our existence. Mm-hmm. And there is this shared sacredness between humankind and plant kind in which uh, wondrous things can take place, <laughs> um, you know, very much. Well, I remember the time when um, I had had um, a pretty nasty abdominal surgery, and it took me a long time to recover, and hanging above my couch was this enormous creeping Charlie. The thing hung from floor to ceiling from easily a 13-inch pot, and beautiful, thick, shiny leaves, and I would sit there for hours and just commune with that Mm -hmm. plant. As I was recovering, I noticed it really, poor thing, really did need to be repotted. So as I got my strength, I um, repotted it. And as I grew stronger, it died. Oh, interesting. It it was as though it had given its all to my recovery. Mm. And to this day, I think of that Creeping Charlie as one of my dearest plant allies and I'm mm-hmm. so grateful yeah, they, for they it. Yeah, they can do great things like that. What what we do is we we have what we call a shadow garden, um, which is the memory garden. And mm-hmm. we'll do things like, for example, you could have a mint plant growing in there. And every time you water it, you breathe on the water and you impregnate the, the your your breath blowing on the water and and thinking about the power to heal and mend and fix and repair. And then um, you do that over the water, and you really charge that. And then you pour it to water the plant. And as you do, you talk to the plant and say, this will enhance your ability to heal. This will bestow upon you the, the connection to, to send your healing forces and whatnot. So the plants really grow this memory. And that time, the next time you take leaves from a plant that, that's been uh, nurtured in this way, there, there's a... There's a lot of what I call juju in that plant. You know, there's a lot of power that's amplified, and you could use that for making healing potions, put it into food or water to give to someone who's ill, 
cup right. of tea, whatever it might be. And what you're really doing is passing this memory of healing. Um, we believe that within us is the ancestral memory, that our ancestors actually abide within us. We, we are the underworld within. And some of these memories awaken within the ancestors, and they remember techniques of healing, techniques of ritual, spellcraft. And so your ancestors can also join in to the process through this memory, which comes from the green world. And our ancestors literally lived in the green world. You know, they were at one time forest dwellers. So this ancient memory of connect, connection to, to the land and connection to the woods and realizing that our ancestors didn't see this as wilderness. This was home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so they understood that. And we can come back home to the green world and live in harmony and common cause through this sort of joint memory process. It's quite fascinating. Yes, it it is, and it, that in my conversation with Willie Paul about permaculture, it seemed like that concept we never quite got around to. We have the practices mm-hmm. uh, beginning to take root, but the practices would come as a natural progression if one kept in mind that uh, the plants you're your watering or nurturing uh, have a spirit and you're, you're constantly trying to reinforce or working to reinforce that mm-hmm. communion, sure. then it seems like um, you wouldn't need – it's like a lot of Western things that kind of get – the concept of permaculture gets kind of cut off at the knees – we do the practices, but then we don't quite understand why right. we do the practices. Right. But if you go back to a spiritus earth and a, and a, and a living, breathing nature, a, an earth mother, then mm-hmm. it, it all kind of comes naturally as a progression without having to, to force the awareness on anyone. Right. Right. Um, and, you know, some things can be taught as incommunicated. And then other things are just sort of lifted. You know, there's agreements of consciousness. Mm-hmm. And it's just really a matter of being open to find and connect with other agreements of consciousness. Mm-hmm. You know, if, you, if you care for a garden, the garden becomes aware of your presence and how you water it and fertilize it and, you know, remove the insects or whatever it is. And it understands your role in its little ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And so when you have a need... It's, it's more inclined to draw upon whatever it can to give back to you. Right. You know, it's just right. like any human relationship, you know. Right. If, if you and I are, are, are friends and we stay in touch, if I call you up and ask you for a favor, it's likely you'll do it. Mm-hmm. However, if I ignore you for years and then, you know, call you one day and say, hey, <laughs> loan me $5,000, you'll hang up the phone. <laughs> you know, it's all about rapport and, and having this connection and understanding that we live in common cause. Right, right. You once said in one of your workshops, it was very cute, you were talking about uh, the deities and how they function a little bit like mom and dad, you know. They mm. just want to hear from you every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, if you stay away for long periods of time and then you go back to deity, it's, you know, they're like, excuse me, uh, who are you again? <laughs> Well, I remember you're the guy that used to give offerings, like, what, 10 years ago? (laughs) Right. (laughs) And what did you want? (laughs) Right. 
<laughs> right, exactly. So when we talk, we use the term spirits a lot. Um, and that's a concept that I'd like you to go into just a little bit more for, for the beginners and for the, the people who have yet to have an experience with the spirits. Now, do you mean do you mean spirits of plants, or do you want me to define what a spirit is? Or I'm not sure what you. I think go go with what a spirit is, and then go back to the plants, since that's oh. our primary. Well, to to me, a, a spirit is a, a a an entity, a self aware entity that um, has a cohesive energy that that keeps it, you know, as an entity. Mm-hmm. Um, there are many levels of spirits, just as there are many levels of, of you know, people that can do different things. And spirits are, um, at least in the green world, they're, they're natural to this environment. They're natural to this, to this realm. But spirits need, um, they need a vessel or an anchor of some sort in order mm-hmm. to abide within material reality. Um, that's why, you know, souls abide in flesh, they need something to anchor it. When we do invocations of spirits, you know, we provide incense smoke, for example. And the old belief there is that the spirits wrap themselves in the smoke and have a body, if you will, you know, within the smoke mm-hmm. that they can stay around the ritual setting. You have to provide that environment. Just like if you buy a goldfish at the pet store, you got to put it in water when you get home. It needs an environment. Right. Um, so spirits are, are, are conscious beings that, at least in this realm, requires some attachment, whether it's to a rock or a place or a person or a plant, whatever it might be. They they tend to sort of abide. I don't know if they you know recharge within that, whatever it might be. But there there's conscious beings, and they have focus. Like a, there are very few spirits who can do all things. Mm-hmm. You know, so you go to a spirit that maybe is good at healing, just like you might go to a human who's good at shoemaking if you need a shoe repaired, you know. Mm-hmm. You, you pick the one that is um, excels at the thing that you need. And these are called correspondences, and the old way books of magic had them. You know, this spirit can do this, this plant corresponds to this, this planet, this star, which has the ability to grant, you know, this, that, and the other thing. So you have to sort of look through these correspondences to find out which which spirits are best to communicate with and work with for a variety of things. But they are beings, and, and you know, they, they're in, in a human perspective, they, they have likes and dislikes and, you know, pet peeves and this type of thing as well. And that's why our ancestors, you know, through their stories, reminded us not to offend the spirits. Right. Because they learned firsthand that, you know, these, these spirits, um, you know, they... they they have limitations as to what they'll put up with, you know. Um, right. So you can't just right. go in. And and that that's really part of the problem that we're having in modern times because collectively the way that humans treat the land, we have alienated the green world in many places collectively. Right. And I think it's the work of the pagan, the witch, the Wiccan the, to regain that connection to the green world to say, you know, there are those of us who still honor you. You know, there are those of us who who believe in you the way our ancestors did. And, you know, therein lies the Greenwood Magic's message back to us. Um, would you like to hear that message? I would in just a moment. We have to take a break. Okay. But um, thank you. I'm just enjoying this tr- conversation tremendously. And I'm reminding anyone if they have um, a question 
as kind of your last chance to email me on on something. So info at susiepeltier.com and info your uh, get your question in. And we'll take a break and be right back. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Susie Peltier, Lady Red Hawk, offers private sessions of massage therapy, hypnotherapy, spiritual consultations, Reiki sessions, and trainings in San Francisco, California. She is available for in-person lectures as well as webcasts on a variety of topics such as stress management, holism, motivational speaking, and developing personal spirituality. Susie can also personalize a healing session or a spiritual consultation for you through Skype or by phone using hypnotherapy and distance sessions of Reiki. Susie is a reverend with the Universal Life Church and a third-degree Wiccan priestess performing interfaith pastoral duties such as hospice and family counseling, in addition to a variety of personalized rites such as weddings, house clearings, and memorials. Susie is currently taking applications for students in Wicca and offers circle trainings as well as priest and priestess initiation study programs. To find out more about Susie as a healer, teacher, and priestess, visit her website, www.susiepeltier.com. Email her at info at susiepeltier.com or visit the Facebook page to find out more about Taoist Wicca. Be Visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to Spiritually Speaking, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Needs with Lady Red Hawk. We would love to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about this week's program, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at suzypeltier.com. Now, back to Spiritually Speaking. Hi, welcome back. We're in conversation with Raven Gramasi, uh, author of Old World Witchcraft, and we're talking about... uh, uh, spirits and the work with plants and all kinds of good stuff so thank you for sticking around please remember mark your calendars for next week's show is um also with mr gramasi and we're going to be uh talking about the 50 years of witchcraft and where it's been and where it's going so that's going to be a really really interesting conversation with this very very learned author and um, I'm really excited for it so just before the break Raven you, you had a point you were making and I'm sorry I had to interrupt you but <laughs> you remember what it was <laughs> well I think it was the message of the Greenwood Ah, yes. Thank you. Um, you know, the, the the green world communicates. And, um, you know, there was an interesting um, special that was on TV. I think it was called 100 Years After Humans. I don't know if you saw that. 
No, I didn't. Well, it was interesting because they, they speculated what the world might be like if humans disappeared entirely. What would happen a hundred years later? What would the world look like? And it was fascinating. Oh, to how, see the, the city how the green the, the, would reclaimed so much. Yes. You know, yes, we get glimpses of this, you know, like the ancient civilizations that disappeared, you know, South America or Mexico, you know, and they, you know, you see in the movies where they have to go in with machetes and they hack through the jungle and they find this, you know, civilization, uh, re- ruins or temples or whatever. Mm-hmm. The idea that, you know, whatever humans have constructed, you know, uh, when they're gone, um, that the greenwood just reclaims the land, you know, reclaims the space. And I think that this is a, an important message because, you know, here in 2012, there's all of this talk about the end of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the, you know, there's everything from the Christians and rapture to some of the interpretations of the Mayan prophecies of the end of the world. You know, some people see it as a transformation. Some people see it as destruction, um, renewal, you know, you know, whatever. I suppose some people even think, you know, the UFOs come and, you know, land and make everything all better um, <laughs> or all worse, you know, depending on your philosophy. Or, or we lose right. our gravitational pull and we float off. <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. Someone deflates the earth like a helium balloon and, you know, whatever it might be. But the, the Greenwood message is interesting. Because the Greenwood has no fear of disappearing. It knows that it's here to stay. And its message is to us for caution that if we want to continue, if we want to exist and live in common cause with the planet, you know, we must get back to the ways that our ancestors lived in common cause with nature and honored um, the land. And the Greenwood message is, is about returning to that, that... The souls, souls travel in groups. This is one of the messages. And they have returned in the form of today's pagans and witches and Wiccans and, mm-hmm. you know, all the, all the, the, the people and all the things that they have. The souls have returned to turn this tide, this moment of, of human abuse of the planet the souls have come to join back with the Greenwood. So it's kind of this united, you know, stand. And the Greenwood says to us in terms of tenacity, mm. you know, it, one of the messages I got was, you know, I was walking along and I, I saw a crack in a sidewalk. And anytime you normally see a crack in the sidewalk, what do you see in that crack? Mm-hmm. A little blade of grass or a weed or something, right? Something That's defying the odds. I'm sorry? <laughs> I said something defying the odds. Yeah, and, and it's the yeah. Greenwood. And the Greenwood yeah. is saying, humans, you know, you can lay asphalt and concrete, you know, to your heart's content. <laughs> but when the cracks appear or you don't care for it, Greenwood says, I reclaim it. Uh-huh. Because you, you know, I will remain constant. I was listening to Joseph Campbell the other day, and he was talking about grass, you know, and he was saying people go out and they mow their lawns every two weeks, and they cut the grass back. You know, they cut off its growth, but the grass doesn't stop being grass just because every two weeks you keep cutting it back. Right. It's always in the process of being grass and growing. You can't stop it, you know, with with just a human thing. So the Greenwood is saying, you know, join with us in that mentality. Join with us in the idea of longevity, not destruction. Stop creating thought 
about destruction mm-hmm. and ends. And think of yourself as the greenwood magic itself, that you endure, you persevere, you are tenacious. You will bring back. Nothing can destroy you. In the cracks of civilization, you slip in between and continue to grow. So it's really this sort of very positive message, unlike a lot of the messages we hear today about, you know, what's happening to the planet and and all this type of thing, that the Greenwood's very much encouraging us to live on and and flourish and, and live in common cause. And part of witchcraft to me, old world witchcraft, is using those tools and working with spirits again to turn this tide and bring us back to when we lived in common cause with nature, and then we can be the people we were meant to be in connection with how the earth functions. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think that's that's what, um, again, ecology and permaculture are coming, coming into a half-hearted realization of that. Like mm-hmm. I said, they do a practice of it and they're, and they're preaching the practice of it, which of course just makes perfect sense mm-hmm. on a logical basis. But they're still lacking the heart to heart connection. Right. You, yeah. You that, make. you know, that there's the division, isn't it, between, you know, mind, body, and spirit, you know? Yes. Um, yes. The seers understand that the three are integrated. You know, and so it, it's really the magician, the witch, the pagan, the seer who understands the spiritual mechanism. And that's why we're here. That's why we've come back to this time to be the presence of that spirit mm-hmm. in a world that has forgotten that and has turned into matter, physical mm-hmm. matter. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that's, you know, the, the, the outdwellers, I call them. They live outside of these seership ways, but mm-hmm. the spirits souls have come back to say no you can you can play all day and do the physical thing if you want but we are here to assure that the spirit and soul animates and drives this thing forward mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the the interesting thing about it and the, the the one of the things i try to convey to my students is that that you have to bring the magic to it. You have to set aside disbelief. You don't have mm-hmm. to believe ahead of time. Right. But you do have to set aside disbelief long enough to begin to be willing to trust the, the, the paranormal experiences, the, nor- the experiences that sit just beyond, just alongside normal and we might in 50 years, science might come along with a nice little expedition of it. But nevertheless, if we keep the, 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 the spirit of essence that, hey, I just got a love pat from the universe. I just got, um, had a moment of communion with his plant or I just had a, mm-hmm. a moment of communion with my pet or right. or I recognize that this phone call or meeting this desire I've long had is in the works right. that I'm in the process of be, because my being is essentially magic mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you, you tap that in through opening your heart and then through opening your imagination right and it's very interesting to me how culturally we say it's just your your imagination. We use <laughs> "just" as a minimizing word. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that that's that's as silly as telling someone, "Well, it's just your life." <laughs> 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 you 
you know, the, the imagination is that creative element. It is the ability to see what it is we desire. The imagination is what causes things to manifest. If we had no imagination, we wouldn't move forward, we wouldn't create, we wouldn't, we wouldn't strive, we wouldn't have goals. You know, the imagination is a powerful thing, and you're right to say, well, it's just your imagination. You know, is, is, is silly. That's like saying, well, it's just your heart, don't worry about it. You know, no. <laughs> this is a vital thing, you know, I, I, I have to work with it. Right, right, right. Well, the imagination is, I see it as the bridge between the body, mind, and spirit. Especially oh, absolutely. After, after years of being a body worker and working on the kind of tangible um, realm of the, the physical, and yet more and more being drawn, that's what drew me out of the broom closet, basically. Mm. I didn't start out to be a witch, I started out to be a better healer. Mm-hmm. And the understanding of vital life force energy and how that is inspiration it is it is the very life breath right of us and to begin to set aside the doubts that are culturally ingrained it's like the culture doesn't want us to wake up it certainly doesn't want a goddess on the picture or we wouldn't have if i'm going to be political for just a minute we wouldn't have the assault on women we have politically uh, oh absolutely and it it's part of the, the the ancient persecution of the witch too because you know governments and social systems they don't really like self-empowered people right they don't <laughs> like people who think independently and so we are we become threats right um, absolutely uh, what they want is people that just you know go to work Nine to five, don't think too much about anything, you know, just accept whatever, you know, you read in the newspaper here in the news and go back to work after the weekend. That's what they want you to be doing. Well, they and don't want you they... imagining, you know, philosophizing, finding personal power, ways to heal yourself. You know, they want you to go to the doctor and buy pharmaceutical drugs. You right. know, and you, the, they want and... you to support the, the machine. And um, don't question. But a witch knows that. There's an entire life and world outside of social construction. And right. I think this goes back to earlier what we were saying is why the witch left the villages and towns and, and dwelled in the herb-clad hills and the forest was to never lose sight that that's where the magic is in the Greenwood. Right. And it's within us. Raven, thank you so very, very much for coming. I've just had a blast. This is thank terrific. you. Yes, I did too. <laughs> and if you like today's show, you can go to www.facebook.com spirit slash spiritual seekers radio and like me there. Then you can flip over to Taoist Wicca and like me there as well. Or you can tweet me at the hash sign Spirit Seeker, see, Spirit Seek Radio. Um, by the way, my Ostara video is up on the Taoist Wicca page, so please check it out if you haven't already. And I am delighted to say that we will be back with uh, Raven again next week to talk about the past and future of witchcraft. And uh, you can email your questions at info at suzypeltier.com. Um, also wanted to say that the show, thank you to all of you because the show is doing great and that means there are some opportunities for sponsors and for guests. So please email me your information on that as well. So thank you. Um, 
remember all of you that the magic is in you. Not only literally, but the magic is in the world that surrounds you. Say hello to that little plant that sits at the crack um, of your sidewalk and... Um, I don't know, maybe water it or something. You know, give it, and say, give and it a say hello. thank you to it for its perseverance. Yes, yes. And I think if that's, that's the biggest message we can take away from today, if I hear you correctly, that the Greenwood is such a, a wonderful first hand teaching yes. of the magical world that, uh, that is us and surrounds us and that when we open our hearts to that magic, we can actually hear the Greenwood whisper. Absolutely. You know, whisper the message that there need be no end. Right. Continue on. Don't think of destruction. Think of renewal. Right. Yes, that's very important as we inch up to the Ooga Booga day of (laughs) (laughs) Yule 2012. (laughs) I'll be sitting in my garden laughing on that day. Me too. Me too. Well, thank you so much, Raven, and I'll talk to you next week. Thank, thank you, everybody you for else. Me. It was a pleasure. You're quite welcome. Hail and welcome. Remember, hail and farewell. Uh, blessed be to all of you, and the magic is within you. Thank you so much for tuning in this week to Spiritually Speaking, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Needs. Please join Susie Peltier again next Monday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have a wonderful week.